with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Where Colin was wrong. Oklahoma, forget about USC, Oklahoma is rated sixth in the latest USC poll. Brett Venables, not Lincoln Riley, has developed a culture in a year and a half based on substance, defense. They've improved. Last year, I said, I I don't know. I've never seen an Oklahoma team that looked that disorganized. Now, they haven't played a great schedule, but they did beat Texas, and they looked like the better coach team than Texas. Lots of substance, not a ton of flash. Right now, Brent Venables is right. Now, that's a normal segment for him where Colin was right and where Colin was wrong. But that one had to sting a little bit more, right? Well, I just hope that OU can finish out the remainder of the regular season 12-0 and and Maybe he'll get OU's uh, head coach's first name right. Because I'm pretty sure he said Brett Venables again. He said Brent the second time he said it towards the tail end. I'm pretty sure he said Brett Venables at the beginning of that, though. Yeah. He's already been corrected by Clatt once. Yeah. um, Yeah, that's got to sting. Because that's not just like a run-of-the-mill weekly prediction. It is like a core... Uh, a, a core talking point he's built his show around for the last year and a half. That was his 49 nothing. We had our 49 nothing last year right. that we had to face. This is his 49 nothing that he had to That's face. That's right. Parker, I, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Parker just texted and said, what the hell is a USC poll? He said OU is yeah. rated sixth in the latest I heard USC that. poll. I, 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 you know, I know out there, in that world, the everything revolves around the University of Southern Cal, but I think that's the AP poll he was referring to. Pretty funny. D and Choctaw says, the "Dude USC called it the poll. USC poll." He's always got Mule Shoe on his mind. Yeah, he's gonna have to uh, flip content after Utah runs for about 425 yards this Saturday and wins in uh, LA. It's gonna be glorious. I can't wait. Well. Um, Utah better get right. They've been struggling without Cam Rising a little bit against some tougher competition. But, you know, it's one of those things where, man, you can say what you want, right? There, A lot of times the whole, you know, we in this building, we don't care about what anyone on the outside says. Public perception can be incredibly powerful and persuasive and can chip away at what you've got going in the locker room. You've always got to remember, you know, those players are, especially in this day and age, whenever whenever you've got NIL and agents and all kinds of different influence in the program, those guys are talking to a lot of people and everyone's talking about, man, how about that defense or – What's up with Lincoln Riley? And is he going to the NFL? Those were some weird comments. I mean, players pick up on that stuff. They're not stupid. So, you know, they've, they've got a perception problem out there. And all of a sudden, whenever they've had, you know, Lincoln Riley's had everyone in the entire industry patting him on the back, it feels like it's they've been a turned. complete reversal <laughs> over the last, it. like, two and a half, three weeks. 
Even his ride or die, Colin Cowherd is starting to turn on him. That's when you know, know. it's getting bad. And that's only the first loss of the year, man. That's I only know. the first loss of the year. It's like Jimbo's already had three losses, but people have been turned on him for a while. It just goes to show you that it wasn't just about the loss on Saturday for those guys. Like everything so far this season had been building until uh, uh, to that moment, and it finally ended with a loss, a blowout loss. Yes, yeah. they start to lose. You know, they lose to Utah. I sense a, I sense a nagging injury, soft tissue, hamstring, or something. Uh, arriving for Caleb Williams, start to distance yourself oh, from yeah. that football team in uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, if you want to trigger some UCF fans, uh, we can call okay. the Central Florida Golden Knights all week. Okay, I think they hate. Uh, I know they hate Central Florida being called that. Mm. So if we can just keep that okay. up throughout the week, all uh, twelve of their fans that'll probably show up on Saturday can get upset about that. Yeah, I was going to uh, call UCF the University of California. That's the CF. <laughs> okay. Um, I will say this, though, man. They defensively, they've struggled. Um, but, man, on the offensive side, Gus Malzahn knows how to run the football. Always has. High school level, Arkansas State, Olburn. He can, he can generate offense, especially on the ground, and then they build play action and stuff off of that. And they're getting their quarterback, uh, you know, back and uh, talked to Brent Venables about it last night. He think he thinks he's just going to be more fluid and, and precise running their offense, and it's going to give them a little bit more edge than even what they've had up to this point. It feels like a non it's a it's a Big 12 game. It's going to be counted as a Big 12 game on Saturday. I'm still convinced this is a non-conference game at 11 a.m. I really am. What OU and UCF have never played before, Tyler, right? We are this is going to be our 7th game of the season and it feels like the only conference games we've had are Iowa State and Texas. <laughs> and, and I guess Kansas and OSU will be the only uh, remaining yeah. conference games you have. It's really we talked about it back in the, you know right before the season started. It's like a season full of non-conference. It games. really feels like a non-conference game at eleven a.m. It's like, like you're what already, are we Notre Dame all of a sudden? You're already in the SEC, and here's a uh, mid-October random uh, non-con game that you have. But it's so like it's just weird. Like you never played it's these guys before. Schedule. Yeah, you never played these guys before. No familiarity. Oh, hey, uh, they're going to come to Norman this one time, and you guys will probably never play ever again unless it's in a postseason game. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. But Which le- I'm fine with. You know, I, I don't think that the trip to Cincinnati was, was cool. Um, the, the trip out to Utah, I imagine, is going to be pretty cool. Playing UCF, uh, you know, with a little bit of storyline there with, Dylan Gabriel and, and Jeff Levy is is pretty cool, but ah, you know, once is good enough. I think once is good enough. I mean, playing UCF at home. What's the difference in playing UCF at home and playing Tech at home or Baylor at home or West Virginia or Iowa State? They all bring twelve fans here, so you're going to see their little gold section up there and the uh, what is that? The northeast corner of the end zone, and it's it's like every other Big Twelve school that can't sell out their allotment of tickets. UCF will yeah. fit right in. You think? I, I don't know. I, I, I know whenever you see them play at home, they've got a big student section that shows up. Um, but 
I imagine it's going to be a friends and family travel group from uh, from UCF. Yeah, and they'll all have their uh, – what, what year did they claim the title? Did they claim it in 2017? 17. Yeah. yeah. They'll all have 2017 national championship t-shirts, t-shirts on. Can't, can't Why not? wait for that. Dude, think about – that was 2017. It, that doesn't feel like that long ago, but a Scott Frost, Notre Dame – or a Nebraska – Tenure has come and gone since then, and that's just wild, right? It, it is wild. No, it is. But I, but I, I think you're in the same group as me. Like I, I've got respect for Gus Malzahn as an offensive mind, and how sure. could you not? Like he's, like he got Auburn to a title in what was that 2013 with with just an okay quarterback. Nick Marshall was their quarterback that year. But you talked about the run game. Um, they figured it out with the run game with Nick Marshall that year. Kind of. Um, like a fourth of the way through the season, and they started beating up on some teams. But they, they got lucky a couple of times that season. But Gus is he, – he's a nice head coach. He is. Yep, a lot of option stuff. You know, every single snap you're going to have uh, a dual run threat. You're going to have a run threat with whoever the quarterback's showing he's going to give the ball to. You're going to have the run threat with the quarterback keeping it. And then you're also going to have – a third threat, whether it's a motion guy coming around or a bubble on that side for the third option. So you've really got to be detail-oriented. You've got to be uh, locked in on all your responsibilities. It's responsibility football this week, and which is good because there's a lot of tie-in with uh, Kansas's offense as well. Like There's a lot of similarities between the two. Can you name three UCF football alums? Alum, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Let's see. Um, Dylan Gabriel. Does he count as one? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no that he does not count unless you need it to complete the third. I guess I'll give it to you. Just see if you can get any others. Um, let's see. There's a couple that you don't get. You'll be like, oh yeah, I think I kind of knew that. But dang, that's a that's a no name in the NFL. Right. Um. Gosh. One, they had a really good quarterback yes. a ways back. Yeah, that's um, – yeah. I'm trying to think if it was – Used to play for the Minnesota Vikings. That should be a uh, enough of a hint. Was it Culpepper? Dante Culpepper, UCF yeah. alum. Yes, there's number one. Um, and I know they had Blake Bortles. That's two, yes. And – oh, my gosh. I want to say, was it – Oh, we're almost Was there. Was it Latavius Murray? Yes, Latavius or, Murray. Is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah nice job. Geez. Look at that. UCF football encyclopedia. Ted Lehman knows all I about the I think I'm tapped out. I think that's all I got. I mean, uh, it was three or nothing. Dante Culpepper, uh-huh. Brandon Marshall. I didn't realize Brandon Marshall oh, was UCF. Really? Yeah. Matt Prater, Asante Samuel. Blake Bortles, yeah. Uh, Gabe Davis played for the Bills. He, he was there as well. So. Who's Matt Prater, the kicker? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he had the huge leg out in Denver, right, for a long time. All right. So decent right there, but Culpepper's got to be the most recognizable. I mean, Bortles was a first-round pick, but Dante Culpepper, probably their most established uh, uh, NFL alum. Brandon Marshall had a good career, but, you know, they, they've had a few names here and there. But I'm proud Culpepper of you for getting was, three. He was huge, dude. Yes, he was. Um, 
I played against him whenever he was at Minnesota and Randy Moss was in Minnesota. Dude, all they did is drop back, max protect, and he would just stand there and wait and wait and wait and then just throw the ball as far as he possibly could uh, and let Randy Moss did run Did they under. have Chris Carter and Randy Moss that year? They went like 15-1 uh, and one, one season. They lost like one game in the regular season. It's like 99, something like that. Yeah, I wasn't there then. Uh, the year I'm talking about was 04. 04 was the year whenever they, uh, Cole Pepper was there with Moss. And I think Moss, did he go to uh, New England after that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. he did. Yeah. But I got a sack on Cole Pepper um, when I was in Detroit. And it was like tackling the left tackle in the <laughs> the did you do it all by yourself pocket. or did you have to hold on for dear life and wait for three teammates to come help you out you know what i kind of i i came off the left side and i can't remember if they messed the protection up or i beat a back but he stepped up in the pocket and i kind of like wrapped him up from behind and there was like a brief flash through my head thinking I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him down. And then he just kind of did the quarterback give up and fall thing. Uh, so that was good. Well, I hope you said something similar in his face as to what Ethan Downs said to Quinn Ewers uh, a couple of weekends or a couple of weeks ago. I didn't say anything to him because I think the series before that, they completed a 90-yard bomb to Randy Moss. So he pretty much was uh, able to do what he wanted. All right, quick timeout. Hanging out at the Falls at Brookhaven today. They've got all kinds of uh, availability here, tons of amenities. Uh, we'll let you know all of those that as the show rolls on, plus a bunch of different floor plans here at the Falls at Brookhaven. Can't miss us. We're right here off of 36th and Rock Creek. Really cool spot on the west side of Norman. Quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Listen every Friday on The Rush for filling up the stat sheet. Teddy and Tyler will let you know who will fill in that stat sheet this weekend. Brought to you by Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. I-40 and exit 125, just 20 minutes from OKC. A little drive to big savings. GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC Truck Series, like offering the world's first available six-function multi-pro tailgate on Sierra. This tailgate takes innovation to the next level with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the cargo box quicker and easier. The list goes on, but it's more than just innovative engineering. It's knowing GMC is committed to professional-grade excellence on every level. See your Oklahoma GMC dealers. Teddy Lehman here for my friends at Extreme Outdoor Equipment in Newcastle. They're having their end-of-season blowout on all remaining Bad Boy zero-turn mowers. Even if you weren't planning on buying a new mower until next season, you're going to want to take advantage of this sale. Take $1,000 off the Ramblers, $1,500 off Magnums, $2,000 off Avenger and Elites, $2,500 off Mavericks, and a whopping $3,000 off Maverick HD and Rebels. The sale ends when the last one's gone. Extreme Outdoor Equipment, located at I-44 exit 108 in Newcastle. A great game plan always opens the door to score. Hey, it's Mike Steely here for my friends at Affordable Door. Score a win for your home by signing up for the Affordable Door Annual Maintenance Plan. For just $119, you can make sure all aspects of your garage door are operating properly so you don't have to replace your door or motor prematurely. Call Affordable Door today at 405-635-9499. The official garage door of the Oklahoma Sooners. Kids, 
They're just different than us. They have no inhibitions, consider silverware optional, and can find fun anywhere. When kids get really sick, they're different than us too. That's why the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is introducing the Dare to Dream Project. With the largest global clinical trial for kids with blood cancer, it'll be the biggest medical advancement for little patients in history. Help transform treatment and care for kids and support all the work we do at LLS.org. Life is yours to spend. Spend it expanding your balance. Spend it expanding your mind. Spend it wondering what comes next. Spend it trusting that God has a plan. Spend it taking small steps in your own life. Spend it making a big impact on someone else's. First United Bank. Spend life wisely. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. It's time. All we want to think about is football and basketball season, but it's also insurance season. November 1st to December 15th is open enrollment for your individual medical coverage. It's the time you need to pick a new plan or update your income to avoid tax penalties. If you're uninsured, it's the only time to buy individual medical plans for 2024 without a qualifying event. Call Allison Insurance at 405-745-2968 or 800-580-5587. It won't cost anything and could save you a lot. What is dedication? My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between. I think a parent's job is to protect our children but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. It is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We welcome in Bob Stoops, brought to you by Modelo. Talk to him every single Tuesday at 320. Coach, uh, good to catch up with you. How was the bye week, and was rock and roll tequila included in the festivities this weekend? Oh, yeah, you always have to have a little rock and roll tequila on the weekend, especially a bye week, but I've got a lot of bye weeks anymore, so a uh, so little more rock and roll tequila going. Uh, for me, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm uh, anxious to watch the Sooners again this week. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. UCF's coming to town. Gus Malzahn runs that that offense there. He's always done uh, a really good job. Now, um, you know, a lot of the talk has been uh, how do you keep from having maybe a letdown after a, a big emotional win down in the Cotton Bowl, and I think that maybe a bye week, a little bit of separation there to let some of that die down and refocus is big, but how do you how do you keep a football team from from feeling like okay we had one big big win and we're here we don't have to keep improving? Well, it's pretty easy at Oklahoma. I don't I don't know that I if I ever lost a game before or after OU Texas maybe one um, in my eighteen years because uh, the bottom line, as you know, um, at 
when you're playing for us or you're coaching for OU, everybody, you know, the fans love to say, oh, just beat Texas and everything's okay. No, it isn't. You know that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're, you're required to beat everybody. And the only way to beat everybody is to be ready to play every week. And that game has its place. And when it's over, it was set aside and we were on to the next game. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the, the, the standards at OU are big eight, big 12 championships, compete for national championships. Those are, and you're not doing that by just winning, beating Texas. So it, it really is. I never found it very difficult at all, and I think it's just something the media loves to talk about because they have to. Mm-hmm. Eight years ago today, you had an impressive win at Kansas State, but the night before, you were stranded at the airport with your team for over eight hours. I guess there was Whataburger, Sonic, Chick-fil-A, Jack in the Box, Burger King, Domino's. <laughs> what, do you, what do you remember from that night before at the airport trying to make your way to Manhattan? Well, that's true. So we're, we're supposed to fly out like around 1030, 11, something like that. And then another plane isn't coming. They canceled on us. So now we've been sitting there a couple hours. Or for In the first hour, we said, all right, look, uh, offensive guys had a small corporate meeting room. So we had guys sitting on the floor, two, two to a chair, whatever, sitting. And we went over. We set up a film so we could watch the, that morning practice that we had that morning. And so then when the offense was done, the defense went in and they watched their practice because we knew by the time we got to the, to the, um, you know, to the facility there, even, even if it was going to be late, that we were going to have a hard time getting our meetings in. Well, another plane isn't coming. So literally we've been there for, I don't know, say 10 o'clock to like one o'clock. And I know our guys are hungry. So I said, all right, look, because some of the wives, we, we, Wives were always welcome to go with us. So some had driven to the private airport city, AAR up there. And some of the assistant coaches had drove and, you know, different extra personnel that we have sometimes would just meet us at the, at the airport. And uh, so I said, look, whoever has a car, would you please, would you go to somewhere, anywhere, fast food, pizza, whatever you could think of, you know, everyone go get something and, and for 10 people. So boom, 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 boom. Here goes everybody jumping in their cars, wives, assistant coaches, whoever had a car, everybody went and got, you know, eight, 10, 12. Put them back and we put them all over the FBO there at AAR along the counter, spread it all out, and we took turns by position, go, you know, get what you want. So we had a whole smorgasbord buffet sort of laid out on the laid out on the counter full of fast food and anything we could get, whether uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken to, you know, to McDonald's and Burger King to pizzas, on and on. And then the guys all sat around the FBO, and we all sat around and ate. And the plane still wasn't coming. <laughs> so uh, we had some more meetings. And then, uh, you know, I, I bet it was, a, it was over eight hours. I, I bet it was a good time. We finally get on the plane. You know, it was dark. And we get to the hotel at like 1230 in the morning. And, uh, 
you know, and I can remember they had something for the players set out in the quick meeting room, and we kind of talked about it, and we said, all right, guys, we're here. We're going to play tomorrow. If you're looking for an excuse not to play well, you know, you, you have it. We had, a, we had a hard day here today. Or we get up in the morning and we play our best game. So everyone decides, you know, the guys were – emphatic that, all right, we're here now, we'll get enough sleep, get up in the morning, let's be ready to play. And I, I think it was a one thirty, two o'clock, I believe it was an 11 a.m. game, and we were fine. Heck, we came out and played one of the best games, you know, that we, we've ever played. But uh, anyway, and then the players all, all started chanting, fast food, fast food. <laughs> After the game, they were chanting fast food. Like, they wanted that to be their Friday meal from then on. I said, no, no, that was a one in a million there. But it was a, it was a fun game to be a part of, man. You, we, were, we were on fire that day. It's crazy. You know, not an easy place to play going on the road to, to Kansas State. And I'm looking at the box score right here. Uh, 520 or 568 yards of offense and held Kansas State to 110. Uh, no turnovers. They turned it over three times. Hardly penalized. Just an incredibly efficient football game. It's interesting. What is it, Coach, you think about like whenever you're hit with like a huge amount of adversity? I feel like it's kind of a common thing that you can kind of rally behind it and and turn it into a positive. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It was 35 to nothing at halftime. And mm-hmm. Zach Sanchez picks the ball off to make it four or two into the third quarter. And you're right. I think, you know, like we, like the guys all acknowledged, you know, let this bother us or we could just, you know, really focus through it. You know, we, we, we've had, you know, we've had enough practice through the week. We had our meetings regardless of where they were. Some unusual circumstances, but we're here now. And they, they focused through it and played one of the better games we played. Is the only other similar scenario to that during your career at OU is when you had to take the buses back from Lubbock in the in the 99 season? Yeah, but that wasn't the same in that it wasn't before the game. game was already over. You know, you don't really care what happens after the game. Well, I think one year, oh, maybe it was 01, or maybe, I guess it could have been 03 in Lubbock. The power went out at the hotel early in the morning before the game, and we were supposed to do all of our pregame like tests and film and all of that stuff there at the hotel. And we ended up having to do it in the locker room in Lubbock, which is not a good place to do all that. <laughs> no, you just you got to make do. You know, uh, you mm-hmm. can't you can't let you know things are going to happen. Circumstances are going to come up beyond your control, and you can't let it. Yeah, you know that's a big deal to me. You can't let can't can't let it be an excuse not to play well. You know, you you focus through it. You you work around it and do what you got to do. What do you think are a, a couple of important things? You know, you you're at the halfway point of the season. You're six and zero. You're staring at the you know the back half. And I know some people may look at this schedule and say that that's an easy schedule. It's not. It's it's there's going to be some absolute dogfights. That's just how it goes. What do you think are some of the most important things to kind of close this year out? Yeah, I, I think, and I've listened to Brent a lot, and I, and I really concur with him, and, and I've always felt that way too, that you've never reached your best. You're always pushing for more, for improvement. 
the better teams that, that win conference championships and are in the national championship hunt at the end of the year are teams that get better and better and better as the year goes. And so a lot of our championship teams were that way. Uh, we got improved, you know, constantly. We had guys that pushed to improve in the way they practiced. Um, you know, you had young guys that started to mature in the back half of the season and really started playing at a higher level. You know, and I know that's what Brent's pushing for. That's what they'll be pushing for, and and that's the right focus. And they, they know, I mean, last year wasn't that long ago. Anybody can beat anybody any at any time, you know. So you're the only way to, you know, to guard against that is to be your best each week. And that's that's the the mission is to be your best come that Saturday, whatever time you're going to play. Coach Bob Stoops is our guest, brought to you by Modelo. I wanted to ask you about one player um, specifically. I, I think he's had a great first half of the season. That's Gentry Williams over there at corner. One, what have you thought about um, his first six games? And two, correct me if I'm wrong, is that one of the guys you went out and recruited um, a couple of years ago when he was still a, a, a high school senior? Yeah, when I yeah when I was on the road for that week, Gentry and his family were definitely one of the ones I I went to see with Kale um, in that week. I was on the road, um, you know, ahead of the uh, Alamo Bowl, and uh, I remember when I, you know, was, was visiting with he and his family. Just what a great looking athlete! Uh, even though he was still in high school, I was like, man, this guy's got got great looking skill set and you know, size for a, for a DB and God had the great speed. So I've loved it. I, I love watching him. And, and he's one of those, like I just mentioned, a young guy that is now figuring, figuring it out. And now the back half of the season, I, you know, you, you expect to see more and more and more, the more confident, the more experience he has on the field to go with that talent that he has. I, you know, I expect him to be a, just a, you know, continue to be a great player, but even even more so as time goes here in the back half of the year. Yeah, I agree. It feels like he's uh, he's hit a real real good stride. Coach, know you're busy. We appreciate you stopping by the show, and um, I guess we'll see you out there Saturday. All right, guys, great to be with you. Boomer Sooner. Thanks, Coach. Boomer Sooner. Where, what were you doing at the airport that night while the team was stranded for uh, is it six plus hours? I think. It was. I don't know how long it was, but it was long. We. I don't know if you've been to that that spot right there um, where the team flies out of, but it's not real big. So whenever you've got, you know, close to a hundred football players and staff, and you know some some family in there as well, it's crowded. So I got out of the way and went and waited on the plane that was broke down lifeless out on the uh on the tarmac eight hours over eight hours you could have just uh, loaded up the team and drove up to manhattan in uh, less time than that took I, I think at one point i got in the car and left and maybe went and ate somewhere or i i know i i know i left at one point i don't know how long i was gone but yeah it was not good you know it, it's one of those scenarios too and it worked out this way for that team in 2015 it's you, you never draw it up like that and you never want that to happen. But if you face adversity like that and you come out and – I mean, I, I don't even know if you have to play extremely well the next day, but if you just win in a road environment like that, it can really springboard you for the rest of your season. And that's exactly what happened to that 15 team. 
end up winning yep. a Big 12 title and end up going to the college football playoff after that because they had lost to Texas the week before that. Correct. Yeah. Lost to Texas as a big favorite, and then it's, oh, they're straight at the airport for over eight hours. Now they're at Kansas State. Great. What's going to happen now? Well, they didn't lose again after that until the playoff. Yeah, and there's some similarities, you know, with that team and this squad as well. Coming off of that bad 2014 season, you know, I, a lot of people weren't sure what to make of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I know I wasn't sure what to make of him. Um, you know, you go get that big win at Tennessee, which gave gave you some life, and all of a sudden you started feeling pretty good and uh, beat a, a top 25 West Virginia team and then dropped the game to Texas kind of surprisingly. If I remember, wasn't Texas really bad that year? Um, that was, that may have been, it was either this year or, or that year or 2013 yeah. where they had like one or two they wins. Two and four going into yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah, they're bad. Either two and four or, yeah, they were one and four going into that game. Uh, yeah, so that's the, you know, you drop that game and, and all of a sudden everyone's really, well, we're not any good. We haven't really beat anyone. Tennessee's falling apart. And then. You come out and play what may be the best game that we've seen in a long time with that 55-0 pounding of Kansas State. So it's just interesting how those things happen. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We've got to hit the text line. Hit us on the text line, 651-3439, Knippelmeyer text line. We'll get to that next. The home of Sooner fans. Home for Sooner recruiting coverage. Home of your Sooner game day voices. Home of the best pre- and post-game coverage. Join the movement. Download the free KRF app now to listen anywhere, anytime. We are where diehard Sooner fans listen. Hello. This is a prepaid call from... Nephew, it's me again. An inmate at the county correctional facility. To accept this call, press 1 now. Oh, great. What now? Okay, what's up? Well, I don't want to really admit to anything, but let's just say I may or may not have advocated on someone's property that rhymes with rent no mark. In public again? Listen, you pipsqueak, I don't have time to explain myself. I need bail money, and I've got another money-making t-shirt idea for your K-Ref store to make the rest of the tiny 12 kiss our derriere goodbye. Well, I'm sure this will be family-friendly. Don't be such a wimp. I'm keeping this PG-13 here. It just says, so long and thank you for the trophies. You know, that's not half bad. All right. Well, they're about to cut me off. So since every single Tuesday at 320, brought to you by Modelo. Before we get to the text line, here is your uh, college football stat of the day. Speaking of Bob Stoops, Iowa is 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. Iowa got to be the favorite to win the Big Ten West at this point. But Iowa is 3-1 in the Big Ten this year despite going three and out 60% of their drives in Big Ten play so far this year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's hard to even fathom that that is a real statistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, and I think this is an example because there have been years where Iowa is legitimately really good. Okay? That has happened. But I think that the the West division in the Big Ten being so pathetically horrible for such a long period has hurt Iowa. Iowa is six and one right now, right? Yep. Which is crazy. And 
you know, they've played one top 25 football team, and that was Pennsylvania State, and they lost 31-0. to So like, there, is a, there is a big separation between their record and how good of a football team they are, and I think it allows them to let a bunch of problems fester, like how bad their offense is. They just allow it to sit around and and, and not not get better, not be innovative, not figure out ways to improve, and not be creative. Just skate by a bunch of other average teams is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Just because they they continue to put up a, a but then they play someone good in the record. league like Penn State and they get exposed and they can't move the ball and they don't score any points. Dude, I, I see what you're saying. Iowa is six and one. Okay. They are not a great football team. I don't think they're a top – are they even top 25? I don't even know what they're ranked. Uh, they were at one point. I don't think they are today. They're 6-1, and one and they're not in the top 25. That's pretty telling. Here's who they have left. Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. Actually, they're number 24 this week, uh, just back in the top 25. Yeah, I, there was a story yesterday that triggered me on The Athletic that said, Iowa in the college football playoff, it's not as crazy as you think. I, I, man, there, there's just no way. There, there's no, there's way. no way. There's no way, man. There's no way. I just can't there's see no it. There's no way. They're the only team left on their schedule that has a winning record is Rutgers, and I don't know how you – feel about their winning record right it's there's not a whole lot of substance there okay some nobody to the text line from the 918 heard a crazy stat on the dan levitard show iowa is 10 and 1 when tory taylor punts eight or more times <laughs> so when their punter punts it eight or more times they're 10 and 1 jeez man that's it's crazy Kate, i've got to imagine if they're like, if you look up the ncaa stats and i'm sure it's not that hard to do but he has to have punted more than anyone else in Power 5 football. I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. K-Dub in the 918 says, Dare I say Gentry Williams was Bob Stoops' best defensive back recruit since Derek Strait? He had some good ones along the way, though, for sure. Jamel Fleming, Brian Jackson, Dominic Franks, and Trey Brown. I'll, I'll say this. Um, Gentry Williams absolutely, positively, 100% has a chance to be the next great OU corner. I, mean, I, I think that's absolutely in his future. Yeah. No, I, I – you're not going to find any argument from me. I agree with that. I think he's been exceptional and is uh, exceptional and improving constantly. 918, Coach Stoops was 15 in the 15 and 3 in the game preceding Texas, 17 and 1 in the game after. Only loss in the game after Texas was 2014, which – coincidentally, was also one of the years OU also lost the game before Texas. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm, I found it. Tory Taylor, their punter, Iowa, has 46 punts, Jeez. which when I'm looking at this list of rankings, there's like there's 50 guys here. That's, there's over, no one that's, close. Over, that's over six punts per game. They played it's seven almost games. Seven. Golly, man. That's, it's three punts away from being seven punts a game. That's unbelievable. Let's, just, let's got, just round up and say it's seven punts per game. How about that? And he's got one of the best punting averages in all of college football. That's impressive yeah. <laughs> to have that many punts, and he averages 
with a net of 45. That's great. 405 underrated defensive backs, Jamel Fleming, Zach Sanchez, Reggie Smith, and Aaron Colvin. Yeah, we um, Bob brought up Zach Sanchez. He had a pick six in that game eight years ago against Kansas State. Zach yep. was very um, feast or famine, it felt like, but he, mm-hmm. he made some big plays for you, including that Alabama uh, upset in the Sugar Bowl that year. Yep. No, he did. He, Gosh, one year, wasn't, didn't he lead? He was close to like leading either the Big 12 or maybe even the country in interceptions, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it felt like he had a lot of takeaways throughout his career, yeah. yeah. You know, so there's there's been a bunch of good DBs that have kind of flown under the radar for whatever reason. You know, I can think of guys um, that played during my era that are not like you. Kind of have to win a Thorpe Award or something to be mentioned as a or be a first round pick to be mentioned as a good DB during that era. But there was a bunch of really good, solid football players that uh you know okay. starters how, rotational how about, guys how about a few of them that didn't win a uh, national award like brandon shelby very under the radar during that era but i, I brandon think a very shelby good player is uh, a great player a name that a lot of people don't throw out because he left early was brodney pool yep brodney pool was excellent player outstanding athlete um, you know, we we mention it every now and then, but Dante Nicholson came in as a junior college transfer uh, and was a great player for, I think, did he play two years there and then off to the NFL? You know, there's there's a bunch of guys. Sean says Michael Thompson, who was he, – he, he was a starter on that 2000 team before the car wreck, correct? Uh, well, he was a major th- contributor if he wasn't yes. a starter for the 2000 team. Major contributor, I think – I think they rotated a, a handful of different guys through on one of those corner spots. He and D. Straight, and um, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'll have to go back and and look at it to to remember fully. But yes, Michael Thompson was excellent. Then he had that big moment, no three, where he catches the uh, catches yeah. the fake punt. Were you blocking for him on that play? Yeah, out, out in trying front. To. Yeah, trying to maybe more. I was just it. all. Ex- I was excited. I remember whenever they called it, and I was thinking, "Dang, okay." Because uh, we were on like the thirty yard line. You guys are we? backed up. Yeah, it was like it looked like it was going to be a three and out. Only up a score. They were like, "All right, here's our chance to get back in the game." Roll tide, and then you guys fake a punt on him. Well, I'll tell you that was when Coach Stoops. You know, spe- he was heavily, heavily involved with special teams at that point. At that time, you could almost call him like the special teams coordinator. You know, because he was he was the CEO type of head coach. Uh, he wasn't calling offense or defense, but he was very – he coached individually. The punt return unit was his unit to coach. And whenever he had a fake or something that he, like, designed and felt like we had a good chance of running it, be ready that week because he likes to call it. And he had dialed that one up, you know, whenever you go – I think they were, they were, did we go gunners over and had two gunners on one side? And that was like an automatic blitz for them off of the inside. And sure enough, here they come whenever we've got that fake called and off to the races. Um, since this is defensive back appreciation segment here, let me read a yeah. few more. First, Sean says that uh, Michael Thompson was the leading tackler in the Orange Bowl. Someone else confirms that he was a starter on that 2000 team. Sooner Dog says, has anyone mentioned Andre Woolfolk yet? Well, no, but I think he's in that group of, like, guys that we always bring up. So Yeah, he's not an under-the-radar yeah. DB. Brandon Shelby, best nickel blitzer of all time in OU. 
Um, yes, very Zach, good. Zach Sanchez, 15 career interceptions, fourth in OU history. Reggie Smith was awesome. Was awesome. Mm-hmm. Brandon Everidge on here as well, Oof. correct? Yep. And then how about this one? I think this guy, you, you didn't play with him. Chijoke on Yonagitcha. Yeah. That's from the recruiting Doomer. Yeah. Uh, I didn't play with him, but I I remember everyone talking about him forever. I think he went to the same junior college as like Dante Nicholson and In Lance Mitchell and all those Didn't guys. they go to San yeah. Francisco somewhere out there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one from the falls at Brookhaven next. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is the ref, home of Sooner fans. Are you frustrated with rising insurance costs or confused about your insurance coverage? At Rightway Insurance, each one of their clients is given a dedicated team of experts that work with you to address all of your insurance concerns. They are an independent insurance company that offers personal and business coverage. Rightway Insurance, 405-607-6014. Or request a free online quote at rightwayinsurance.com. That's Rightway Insurance at 405-607-6014. Teddy Lehman here for my friends at Extreme Outdoor Equipment in Newcastle. They're having their end-of-season blowout on all remaining Bad Boy zero-turn mowers. Even if you weren't planning on buying a new mower until next season, you're going to want to take advantage of this sale. Take $1,000 off the Ramblers, $1,500 off Magnums, $2,000 off Avenger and Elites, $2,500 off Mavericks, and a whopping $3,000 off Maverick HD and Rebels. The sale ends when the last one's gone. Extreme Outdoor Equipment, located at I-44 exit 108 in Newcastle. Specialize in fire, water, mold remediation, and crime scene cleanup. That's Cavens Group, 405-573-3048, 405-573-3048, or cavensgroup.com. One more submission. I mean, we've gotten so many more names on the text line for underrated defensive backs at OU. But, and I think that this is a good one. Because if I were to bring up the name Antonio Perkins, what's the first mm. thing everyone thinks of? The UCLA game, the punt returner that he was, yes. But he was a good corner, too. I remember mm-hmm. in that Alabama game that we're talking about, first play of the game, he gets an interception. Very first play of the game. He could play yeah. some corner, too. He was really good. He had incredible instinct and ball skills, which you could tell by the way that how good he is as a return guy he's an instinct driven player um so with that you get a lot of you know reading the the quarterback taking some risk and intercepting passes and stuff and you know incredibly explosive and fast um so like that helped a lot as a corner and he is he is bigger than maybe people realize um he was probably close to six one with incredibly long arms and i bet he was 195 pounds so close to a 200 pound corner at six one with uh exceptionally long long arms like that's what you want at corner Mojo Bo, you have not been blocked. Uh, Ante Jones was a good one. I, uh, I oh, do agree man. with that. But um, we, we, or at least I bragged about um, Gentry Williams to Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops helped recruit him that week before the Alamo Bowl. He likes him a lot as well. It seems like Gentry is just super confident for a young player. Essentially ran that route, first series against Texas. 
But why has Gentry Williams been so good up to this point? What's made him the corner that he looks like he's one of the better ones in the conference? Well, he tackles great. He is not just a willing tackler, which you don't always get at corner. He is an aggressive, hungry tackler. You cannot throw the bubble to his side. He, I think he's better at playing the bubble maybe than than anyone we've we've had. It's a big here in deal a while. nowadays in college football if you have a corner oh, that can yeah. take that away, man. There's there's no doubt he's great at that. He comes and plays the edge whenever he's asked to be a part of the run game, and you know I I think his technique and footwork on downfield stuff has been has been really good. Here's the thing, you know, when you play defense, you're always you always have to give up something to be good in another area. And with how good we've been at the zero-yard stuff and the deep stuff, I think the one area that we've, we've given up a little bit, and I'm okay with it, is like the mid-tier comeback stuff. And, but even that, we've been really competitive, and it's catch-tackle whenever they complete them on us. So he's just been good all around. All right, quick timeout, hour number two of The Rush coming up next.